Pastor Ed Taylor on what to do with the guilt that is in your life. I'm telling you, if you are dealing with guilt today, don't ignore it. Don't try to cover it. Don't try to take the edge off of it. Don't sin in such a way where your conscience is seared and you don't even care anymore. Let Jesus remove that guilt from your life by forgiving you of your sins. Give your life to him today. You don't need to carry around that guilt. Jesus says, if you come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you the rest that you're looking for. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You What do you do with the loneliness or guilt that's consuming you and what's required to get into heaven? Those are big questions and they're answered for us in the gospel. That comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace through a study of Romans chapter 1. Pastor Ed Taylor is currently going through the entire book of Romans verse by verse. Let's turn there now and get things underway. Salvation is so powerful. And as we studied verses 16 and 17 in our last study together, we we learned why we do, a few of the things of why we do what we do here at Calvary. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you, get the study off the web or grab the CD because we really emphasize the importance of where the power is in our fellowship. The power is in God's Word. Now, certainly I could make a decision to persuade you. I could argue with you about your sin. I could argue with you about your need for Jesus Christ. I could come up with all of the great illustrations. I could come up with just what you need to hear. I could probably even talk you into, twist your arm into giving your life to Jesus Christ. But you know, you need to be changed by God and His power. It's His power, it's His presence, and it's His Word. That's what Paul said last time, right, in verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. And so we emphasize that need to go through God's Word together and emphasize His Word because it's in His Word that has power. And notice, it's not just power, but it's to salvation, to a changed life. For who? Everyone who believes. It's not just a select group that God has in mind when he unleashes the gospel upon the earth. He sent his son for everyone who believes. And you know when you look through the scriptures, you will find passage after passage. It's a theme. Whoever, whoever, whoever. I like the old King James. The old King James says, whosoever. The new King James took the word so out, and they just have whoever. But isn't it great that you're a whoever? Reminds you kind of Dr. Seuss a little bit. You know, whoever, who this and who that. But I'm glad I'm a whoever. I'm glad that when God says everyone, Ed Taylor was included in everyone. I'm glad that when God says whoever believes that you are in that group of whoever. Let me show you what I mean. Flip over to Matthew chapter 12. Remember, you got to get your fingers going today. Flip those Bibles of yours. Hold your place in Romans because we'll come back. But there's a lot of flipping through the scriptures today. And you know, sometimes I'll read it to you. And sometimes I just want you to see it in your own Bible. I want you to mark up your Bibles. And I know I don't want to place some great emphasis on marking up your Bibles. I really want your Bibles to mark you. 
but it's good to do a little circle here, a little arrow there. If you take some of the Bible study classes we have, you'll learn how to do inductive Bible study and draw little pictures and things that will help you remember so that these truths are burned on your heart. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 50. The Gospel's for everyone. Well, Matthew 12, verse 50. For Whoever, now we're going to do this interactively because I think that's really important that you guys hear it. You see it, you hear it, and it comes out of your own lips. Ready? So whenever the word whoever comes, I want you to read that. Okay, so we're going to start over in verse 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Flip over to John's Gospel, chapter 4. A few pages over to the right. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Whoever, the gospel's for everyone who believes, not just some select group. So, well, I'm sorry, you're not in the select group, so you're just uh, tough luck, you know. Too bad, sorry, goodness of Jesus Christ is for everyone else. No, that's not what the Bible says. Look at John's gospel, chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Drinks of this water will thirst again, but... Drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Flip over to John's Gospel, chapter 11, a few pages over. It's the gospel, it's the power of God to change a life for everyone who believes. Whoever, look at John chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 25. Jesus is there at the raising of Lazarus and he uses it as an opportunity to share his love and his mercy and his grace. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live and lives and believes in me shall never die. And here's the key question, gang. Do you believe this? Flip over to John 3.16. I mean, we could do this all morning. This will be the last one. But it is all over the scriptures. These aren't isolated. This is the heart of Jesus Christ. Whoever, whoever hears my voice today, you're listening in on the radio, you've got an MP3 in your iPod, you've got a CD playing in your car, you're in this room. Listen, whoever will believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. Do you believe this? Look at John's Gospel, chapter 3. We'll get to verse 16, but I want to start just a little bit before that. John 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that good news? I'd call that good news. I'd say, you know, Lord, it's for anyone. It's for everyone. It's for whoever will believe in Jesus, for the Jew and for the Greek, for the Gentile. If you believe in Jesus Christ today, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. The price has been paid by Jesus himself. Fundamental, foundational that God has put us in the world to win the lost to Jesus Christ. Well, which lost? Whoever, everyone that's lost, as the gospel goes into their life, hey, as your heart is burning in desire to evangelize, it's whoever, it's everyone that'll believe that God would not put any restrictions on us. We just share 
The Bible says some plant a seed and some water in relation to the gospel, but it's God that gives the increase. So you really never know when you're talking about Jesus to someone, whether you're being used to water a seed that was planted, whether you for the very first time touch a part in their heart where the seed is planted, or you might just be there to bring the increase and just see it right there in front of you, pray with them right there. But it's not our responsibility to persuade people. Our, our words might be persuasive, but they're not the power of God. We preach the cross of Jesus Christ. If the power is in Jesus, not in us. And that takes a big burden off of our shoulders, doesn't it? Because in every occurrence, we don't have to just lay it down and say, you better pray, I'm going to twist your arm, I'm going to beat you up if you don't believe in Jesus. That's not really good evangelism. We got the beat up the people on the street evangelism team here. And we just beat you up if you don't receive the Lord. No, you know, people have been beat up enough by the church, don't you think? They've been condemned enough by, well, look at you, and look at you, and look at you. No, how about this? Why don't we just say, look at Jesus, and let him melt your heart. Oh, I know you might be caught in something that isn't pleasing to God. And you know, God will change that in your life. But you need to believe in him. As you're sharing, if you're taking notes, I want to give you a few things that everybody, everybody shares in common. Every human being on the planet deals with these things in their life apart from Jesus Christ. And so as you're sharing the gospel, you'll be sure to understand that you never know which area might open the door for you to then slip the gospel in and share the good news and the hope and the help that's found in Jesus. Number one, every human being deals with this enormous weight of guilt. Being born in sin brings a lot of guilt. And you're just like, wow. I know my life the way it is right now, but man, I, there's got to be something more. I know what I'm doing is hurting people. I know what I'm saying brings pain and sorrow into people's lives. I, I, I feel this distance. People deal with that. There's a tremendous amount of guilt. It's a burden that only gets heavier and heavier. Now, some people have tried to hide their guilt. Some people have tried to... You know, why, why do people get so caught up in being under the influence of something else? Why is it that, well, you know, it's an addiction. Well, yeah, I can become an addiction, but I'll tell you how it starts. It starts this way. I can't stand the way that I'm living. I can't stand where I am in my life. I don't want to feel it anymore, so let me just numb it. That's it. Let me numb it. Maybe if I can numb and take the edge off a little bit. And so they start in that direction, but what they find out is that that kind of junk that numbs those feelings is actually very, very powerful in the hands of Satan. And he can destroy people's lives through it. Instead of measuring things of, well, whether this is a sin or not, how about just this? Is it going to destroy your life? Are we, are we finding in our own society that certain things, certain habits, certain situations, they, they kill people. They destroy people's lives. They mark people's lives for all the rest of their life. I'm telling you, if you are dealing with guilt today, don't ignore it. Don't try to cover it. Don't try to take the edge off of it. Don't sin in such a way where your conscience is seared and you don't even care anymore. Let Jesus remove that guilt from your life by forgiving you of your sins. Give your life to him today. You don't need to carry around that guilt. Jesus says, if you come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you the rest that you're looking for. You don't have to turn to the bottle. You don't have to turn to drugs, legal and illegal. You don't have to deal with, turn to all these people in your life trying to be accepted and trying to be loved, and every relationship just seems to make it worse and worse and worse, I encourage you, come to Jesus today. Turn to him. Allow him to do a work of washing and regeneration. Everybody deals with guilt apart from Jesus. How's another one? Number two. 
There is this sense in people's lives of loneliness. Everybody has a sense of loneliness. You know, it's possibly possible to be surrounded by hundreds and thousands of people and still be lonely. Some of you right now in this room deal with loneliness. And you're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people, but you still have that sense, you know, I feel like I'm all alone. It's a very real feeling. And apart from Jesus Christ, it is a heavy real feeling of loneliness and isolation. Where a person just doesn't understand why I feel so lonely, why I'm dealing with this. It, all over this globe, there's loneliness, there's isolation, even some to desperation. But you know, the gospel addresses it as Jesus said, I'll come to you and I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be in your life and I'll never, never turn my back upon you. Another one that people deal with, number three, is eternity. You know, the, the big question today in many people's lives is where do I go after I die? I mean, and it happens not so much when you're young, because when you're young, you don't seem to really care. But as the years start clicking off your odometer, you start thinking, hey, What's going to happen here? I mean, I bought into the philosophy as a young man. Live, eat, drink today for tomorrow we die. And who cares? Nothing's going to happen. But now, you know, I've lived a life and I've eaten and I've drunk and I am messed up. What's going to happen to me when I leave this earth? You know, everyone has that thought. They may not verbalize it. They might repress it, push it away. But people are wondering, hey, where am I going to go? You know, it's not just in the United States. Every single culture is concerned about death. And what happens? Some people have chosen to say, well, you know, forget it. There's nothing after death, so I'm just going to pour myself into this world. But the gospel addresses this need by offering eternal life, age-abiding life, and abundant life. You know, a fourth thing that people deal with is security. Security, the, the feeling, the satisfaction that, you know, I'm loved and accepted for who I am. Because there's this attitude where, no, you know, I'll love and accept you if. And yet God, he says, I unconditionally love you for who you are. That's the gospel. The gospel is I know that sin's messed you up. I've watched it. I've seen it. Not only have I watched it and seen it, not only do I know what God says, but I've sent my son to bring you back into wholeness with me. And so there are those that wrestle with being loved and accepted for who they are. No matter what a person looks like on the outside, they have this need deep down on the inside. And there's only one way to have that need met. It's through the gospel, the real relationship with Jesus. These needs and others, we could go on with a much larger list, but these are very common needs that everybody deals with. And through the gospel, they are answered. And we can answer them with certainty, with clarity, and with finality. That with a relationship in Jesus Christ, these and other issues in your life can be answered. Remember John 10.10, 10, you can jot it down. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. Okay, so how does a person come into heaven? How does this relationship work? If it's the gospel, is the power of God's in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What exactly is required for entrance into heaven? You know what it is? Righteous perfection. Anybody here righteously perfect? Well, then we're in trouble. Anybody perfect? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, and therefore, nobody, none of us are going to be able to stand before God and say, here's my golden ticket to heaven. I'm perfect. He's like, no, I don't think so. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember all the times that I came and I sent people into your life to reveal to you that you're not perfect? You know, we're not perfect by at least two ways. Number one, we were born imperfect. 
We were born with sinful natures. And number two, our lives just prove that we were born with sinful natures because we sin. And therefore, none of us are righteously perfect. Now, I know at this point, as we're talking about heaven and salvation, there are some that immediately start thinking, hey, wait a minute, I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm, if there was a righteously perfect person, I'm about as close as they get. I'm good. That's great you're a good person. Don't stop being good. But good is an entrance into heaven. Because when is good good enough? When is good good enough? Who will we compare ourselves to? We can compare ourselves to some really dastardly guys and feel really good about ourselves, right? But then you throw Mother Teresa in there and they're like, oh, no. No, I don't know. I could ever measure up to Mother Teresa. Well, what happens when you throw Jesus in there? It's like, well, you're right, Pastor Ed. I'm not righteously perfect. And if you're one that likes to trust in your good deeds, I want to show you something that hopefully will just shake your insides just a little bit to remind you that you can't trust in your goodness. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 64 with me. Isaiah 64. This is one of those passages I just want you to see. God is speaking through Isaiah to the nation of Israel. He is making a point to them that they have some significant issues in their life that has separated them from God, that has brought the judgment of God upon them. In Isaiah 64, by way of application, we bring it home to us today as well as how we stand before God. Isaiah 64, verse... Let's see, we'll go back to 64, 6. And look at how it begins. But we are all like an unclean thing. We don't really need to go any farther, do we? But we will. And all our righteousnesses, all our good works, all our goodness, everything about us that we would think is good are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there's no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Did you hear that? All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. There are a lot of ways that we can illustrate what God means by filthy rags, but let me just use one of them. In your mind, when you think of filthy rags, think of a messed up, nasty, dirty diaper. Yeah, exactly. If I was to go to the nursery right now and ask them for the nastiest, smelliest, dirtiest, messed up diaper, that would represent our righteousness before the Lord. I mean, I actually thought about doing it as like kind of a deal. <laughs> Illustration. But I think you guys would be so mad at me that... But let's say I did. Let's just say I did go and say, I want the worst. Just save me the worst. Leave it there for a couple weeks. Save me the worst. And bring it in here. At least one of you, if not all of you, would say, get that thing out of here. It is dirty. It is unclean. It is causing me to be nauseous and sick to my stomach. And when you start thinking of those things, think, think, think. That's our goodness before the Lord. We have it all polished up. I mean, what can you do to a dirty diaper to make it clean? I'll polish it up for you, Lord. I'll clean it up. I'll gold plate it. I'll put it on just like with my son's shoes, you know. I've got the gold plated, clean, dirty diaper right there on my mantle. 
but there's nothing you can really do to make it. It's a dirty diaper. It's soy. Now, of course, we might go and oh, I'll, I'll bring a diaper, but I'll get one of the clean ones from King Supers. That's what I'll do. But it's still a diaper, isn't it? <laughs> Filthy rags. Filthy. Dirty. Our righteousness before God, it stinks, guys. We just can't stand there before God and say, but God, I've done all these good things for you. But, but God, you know, look at my life. I'm a good person. But, but God, you know, come on. Come on, don't you see those things? Don't you? Come on. I mean, and, and he says, no, no, no. It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness that I provide through my son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, the gospel, is the power of God to change a life. For all that believe, look back at verse 17 now as we read through. It's, it's not dirty diapers, guys. We want the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans again, chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, and if you're one to mark your Bibles, you can just circle the word it, put an arrow back up to the gospel because that's what he's saying. In the gospel, in the message, in the good news, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Now we need that, right? Have I convinced you yet that you need the righteousness of God? You don't need your dirty diapers. You don't need the filthy rags. We need the righteousness of God. So where do we find it? In the gospel. It's the good news. It's in the gospel that there's a righteousness of God that's revealed because the gospel points us to Jesus. And notice, it's revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so the gospel really is good news because in our hopelessness, in our inability to save ourselves, God says, here, I'll rescue you. I'll give you a righteousness that's not your own. Remember, apart from Jesus Christ, Paul really felt he was a righteous man. He felt as if he was following God to the point, you know, remember he was killing the church and he believed he was doing God a favor by killing the Christians. But he was self-righteous. Oh, I don't want to be self-righteous. I don't want to think too highly of myself. I hope that's you too. I don't, I don't, I don't want you guys to think, well, I'm self-right. You know, I've got, I'm doing really well. I'm in the word. I'm, everything about me is me. It's not. It's about Jesus. If I could just teach you that in the entirety of our relationship together, that it's not about you, but it's about Jesus, I think I've done a good job. That I could just show you that, that, that the fight in your marriage right now is because you're thinking too highly of yourself. Oh, no, Pastor Ed, it's her fault. <laughs> Maybe it's yours. Why could you say that? Because God says it. No, no, it's his fault. You don't understand. He just doesn't. And then you fill in the blank, right? But then to you ladies, Peter says, well, without a word, win him over. What do you mean without a word? <laughs> I got a few words for him, you know. <laughs> if I could just teach you guys and I could learn it myself as I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord that I'm not on this earth for Ed Taylor. God gave me a shot with Ed Taylor, you know? He said, go ahead, live your life, do whatever you want. I said, well, okay. And I brought damage and destruction and pain and sorrow to society. But now, not in Jesus, things have changed because it's not about Ed, it's about Jesus. And it's not about you. You're listening to Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. This is a fairly new site. 
As you take a look around, you'll notice Pastor Ed's blog, the Abounding Grace podcast, our show archives, and even a place to make a secure donation as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your mobile devices. Look for our church app and Grace FM Colorado app available on all platforms when you do a search for Calvary Church Aurora. They're free and a great way to fill up on the teaching of the Word wherever you may be. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. Then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.